Welcome to the affiliate interview series by Statstrone. Our next guest is Steve Brownlee from Reach Creator. We talk a lot about SEO, but a lot of amazing tips on link building that you're going to want to listen to. Let's get to it. Okay, welcome to another edition of the affiliate interview series. I've got a special guest um, who's got a very deep SEO background, and we've got Steve Brownlee here with us. And Steve, why don't you do a quick introduction? Yeah, thanks for having me, John. Um, I run reachcreator.com, which is a link building agency. We specialized for most of our early years in just doing the difficult niches. So gambling, pills, payday loans. Um, you know, the stuff that people put on their link building websites that they won't deal with. Um, we did all of those initially. Uh, we're much broader now, but obviously we still have um, people that just do gambling links and have specialized in that the whole time with us. So um, we've kept those specializations as well as getting a lot broader. Um, business partner Garrett um, runs various um, e-commerce sites and affiliate sites and things like that himself. We used to have... Um, a long time ago, a lot more uh, sites, but we were very um, overly spammy. So the uh, Penguin era didn't didn't do us any favors because uh, our approach was to spend a hundred dollars on content from India, buy fifteen packs of Sherlock Does Google on Black Hat World, and uh, and make money. And then Penguin ended all of that. So we used to be uh, we used to be spammers, but we're uh, we're not anymore. So that's kind of um, our history in SEO. Well, to be fair, it's uh, I know a lot of people that are very successful in SEO where they've had those penalties. And it's almost like the people that have had the penalties I've seen have actually been far more successful in either trying things or kind of pushing the limits. Yeah, I don't. we wouldn't have the business if we hadn't been penalized because obviously we would have just continued spamming and building happy sites. You know, we had to learn how to get good links, get links without paying. Um, and that just led to us helping out loads of agencies. You know, it was just me initially um and i was just doing a bit of freelance work for agencies and everyone kept struggling with their link campaigns and having just started to try and build links without um sherlock does google and other dodgy packages on black cat world in gambling i was finding it quite easy to get links for some little plumber and that kind of thing mm -hmm. especially back in those days where the webmasters didn't even have the faintest clue what you were doing like oh you're gonna write some content for me thanks dude that's um so yeah and it just became obvious that that was the area to to focus 100% on otherwise we would just be freelancing on all these random little projects like oh build a Joomla site one week do some links the next week it was too too hit and miss and then of course Garrett joined the business straight from college he'd already been working with me the whole time he was at college on the on the gambling sites that we ran and stuff like that um, and we've just gone from there, really just become more and more focused. We got rid of our client facing brand that used to do consulting Paladis, mm -hmm. um, 2016, 17, something like that. Um, we still have clients that just never left. Um, but we haven't taken on any new consulting, just normal SEO clients since then we've focused a hundred percent on the, on the link building business. Now, um, yeah, it kind of like answers the uh, most of the question I had of like, you know, why focusing on link building, but I think you've got an interesting point of, uh, you know, I've done SEO consulting before, and there's some clients that are kind of like a pain in the ass. And I've seen a lot of people when they focus on one specific niche, specifically link building, they seem to excel. Yeah, I mean, I think and there's people that specialize in all kinds of niches. I mean, there's agencies, I know, agency owners I know, and they just do technical SEO consulting. So they get 12 month contracts with someone and then that's it. They, someone else, you know, there's just a constant 
um, that people pay a lot of money if you know the one thing you do really well. Whereas if you're just kind of like, oh yeah, I'll do you an audit and then I'll do you some links and I'll do you a bit of content. And it's, you can sell that, you know, there's loads of agencies do that, but it's, it's, you've got to have a really good sales team. You spend more on the, you spend more on the sales consulting than you do on the actual work, just getting the clients on board. You know, it's, it's a whole different game. So I guess you would say um, link building, would you say has gotten more important as the years have uh, gone on in the last like 10, five, three years? It's become very different, hasn't it? I mean, it's always been important, but there was a time when you could build, you know, if you got a domain to a hundred real linking root domains, you were one of the bigger sites, you know, in the affiliate world and you'd be making a lot of money. Um, you know, so people would genuinely test a niche by just having a, you know, five, $10,000 budget, getting a hundred links. And if their site was making them a few thousand a month, then they would scale it up from there. Whereas now, if you build a hundred links to something that isn't very good and it's a test site, you are probably going to be lucky if you make $200 a month from it. So you've really got to be a lot more all in with the other stuff as well as the links. Um, I mean, you'll definitely be able to make money from a site that has a hundred links, but you're going to have to have done a lot of other work. The content's going to have to be really long and good. The site structure is going to have to be really well organized. Everything's going to have to be in, I mean, everyone was calling it silos, but I think they call it something else now. I, I We used to just call it organizing your site well, didn't we, back in the old days? But they keep inventing a new word to mean organize your site well. Um, but I'll just keep calling it silos because that was the last thing I got brainwashed by. I've forgotten what the new one is. But, you know, you can have all your silos organized. You're going to have to be, it's going to have to load fast. There's just so much more you have to have perfect on the site now as well as the links. So I would say relative to everything else, you know, if you had a set budget, you're not going to be doing what you used to do, which was spend 200 bucks on content and then the rest of it all on links. You, We're probably only getting 40 to 60% of people's budgets now. So the links are still really important, but you can't get away if not doing the other stuff as much as you used to. Um, and the other thing that's changed, and I think it's actually um, really good for us because um, especially in the sectors where you can get links without paying, which is most sectors other than, you know, really gambling and, pills and payday so i mean we can get some unpaid links in those sectors but it's not going to be like we would uh, aggressively pursue taking on clients that only wanted that because you know it's going to cost them more than they want to pay to get people you know because you're going to have 10 webmasters change their mind for everyone that goes live which obviously 10x is the cost doesn't it so um but in but a lot of i mean the google update that's just happened so many small affiliates that were making you know between five and fifteen thousand a month for, from per site I've seen many of those sites drop to a thousand. And I think the big problem is that it's, I mean, one, they were doing a lot of content at scale, which means taking shortcuts, which part of Google's changes were content related. And part of it was just, they ignore more links than they used to. And I think we're in a really good position on that for two reasons. One, when we do compete with everyone else on the paid links, Garrett personally block lists like 80% of our paid links list that the team end up negotiating. I mean, he's, so fussy on the list of who will actually place links with that mm. when clients are buying our paid links, even if they're on our paid link side, they're getting links thrown away that would now, if they bought them from someone else, would be not counting. So I think, you know, if the amount of links that are not counted now, having someone like Garrett, who's very, very good at filtering a list quickly and getting rid of all the bad ones is, is really powerful. But also it's going to open up a lot more opportunity for people that have left our natural link side. You know, people that, you know, used to do link baits with us all the time. And they were like, oh, we can't be bothered doing this anymore. We just want you to build paid links to our money pages. And they've been making money like crazy because, you know, basically since Matt Cutts left, Google's done nothing. 
I mean, you, you'd, everyone went back to using, and that's the problem. Everyone's gone back too much to what they did pre-Penguin. Everyone's doing too much aggressive exact match anchor text because it was working. Why not? You know, if you're making 15,000 a month, you just keep doing it, don't you? You keep adding more and more. It keeps growing. They're doing too much, too much paid links direct to money pages. There's no link diversity in their site. There's no content that's ever going to naturally acquire them links. You know, you do a link bait that's really good and it floats around on the web for years after you finish marketing it. Loads of people link to it naturally because it comes up in search for this soft topic that people were interested in. And that happens all the time with natural. They don't get any of those natural links coming in to blend what they're doing for the aggressive pages. And I think it's going to push a lot of people back towards using us for the link baits and natural links, which that's kind of exciting because it's a lot more fun for our team being creative, designing things, coming up with clever pitches. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So I'll definitely welcome more of that work because I think it's going to be more important to do those kind of links in sectors where that's the norm or or it's possible. Um, I don't think we'll see in high finance, you know, like 0% credit cards, gambling, those kind of niches Google take a strong action because if they say just ignored all the links in those sectors, they'd be ranking some rubbish affiliate sites ahead of all the big banks. Um, and I did speak to someone at Google many, many years ago about that, that they'd experimented a lot with that in the UK banking market. And the amount of paid links the banks were buying and all the people that they wanted to rank were buying kind of made it hard for them to, you know, you, you tuned it out and you ended up with all the crap sites and the SERPs. So I'm not saying they haven't come up with this because I've been talking eight years ago. I'm not saying they haven't improved since eight years ago. Although sometimes when you Google things, you might um, disagree with me because some of the SERPs are pretty terrible these days, aren't they? So, um, but yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of change in links back towards um, when Matt Cutts was with us. Not that he's not with us anymore. He's just doing different work for the government now, isn't he? So no longer with us in the SEO industry, but still with us in spirit. Um, I think people are going to go back to doing more of what they were doing then. They're going to tone down the ridiculously over-aggressive anchors. They're going to do more natural links when they can. When they are doing paid links, they're not going to be able to just buy them from the cheapest vendor and fire 400 of them at a page. They're going to have to have someone who's selective. So it's going to be good for the more expensive vendors. And... Um, and, you know, there's some of our competitors are charging like $700 a link these days, you know, and it's, and they're, and they're busy relative to their team size. So there is definitely demand for that already starting to resurface. I guess that's kind of like, it's almost like stating the obvious, but we see a lot of people taking shortcuts on the content and then they do the same on the link building. So I, I guess you'd probably like, you're more or less advocating that it's like, it's got to be quality on both sides of the fence. Like, you're going to do amazing content don't go cheap on the links and you know if you're going to get really good links pointing towards any of your pages that you know try to make sure that content is just as uh, good as content as what you have yeah exactly yeah you don't want to be um taking aggressive shortcuts anywhere at the minute so and i think that's uh, going to lead me to another yeah, question which is kind of like a, not what i was initially wanting to talk about but you know we're, we're on the same topic of quality so how would you say uh, things like Harrow being uh, important for link building? And for those um, that don't know, Harrow is help a reporter out. I mean, it used to be great because there were very few reporters using it and very few spammers on there. But now there's a lot of people on there that are pretending they have some new site, but they're just trying to get, they're trying to find agencies to pay for links on their spam blogs and stuff. It's, it's a lot of noise to filter through. I mean, if you're in a niche though, where there's a lot of requests, and you've got the time to filter through it, you will find opportunities on there. But um, 
I would say using something like Link Prospectors press finding tool for accessible reporters and just going out and finding people talking specifically about the angle that you're looking to promote is going to be a better use of your time than filtering through Harrow, hoping someone happens to answer a question. Unless you've got, I mean, there's businesses where you have a spokesperson um, and they're always on the media talking about something. Uh, I remember uh, money.co.uk over here, um, Hannah that worked there, they hired a PR team to kind of make her like, um, you know, the money supermarket guy and get her on BBC News every morning to talk about whatever the money's. And they did a really good job with that because they had someone to send at 10 minutes notice. You know, they're not far from London. She can be at the BBC studio at 6 a.m. ready to go for BBC breakfast. If you've got that, absolutely, you're going to get a lot out of something like Harrow because you've got someone that, they, they will occasionally use your quotes. They will occasionally link to you, blah, 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 when you just send things to them. But it's a lot of work for not the best returns. Um, and if you are looking to do that kind of thing, you know, you really want to create a spokesperson, you, you're you better off hiring a PR agency that specializes in building a personal brand for someone and having them book them loads of appointments with radio, TV, newspapers mm -hmm. than you are doing it yourself or hiring a PR agency. SEO agency that pretends they do Harrow links or something. Um, a lot of the times the links they get don't even come from Harrow when you buy one of those Harrow links packages. They're just a bunch of random sites that they've got relationships with already. You know, it's it's just a kind of... So yeah, if you're doing it yourself, you're doing it really well. You've got a spokesperson, you've got a PR agency or someone in-house that knows what they're doing. You can get some good results from it, but I wouldn't... I think the signal to noise is, is such that it, you can spend... You can probably spend 10 hours a link on there if you get really bogged down and you have an unlucky day. I mean, it's is that is that a good return? It depends what the link is, I guess. If you, yeah, probably not. Uh, though. Probably not. Yeah, it's kind of like it's a it's a question I'm asking where I know it's difficult for affiliates to kind of use Hero, but I know from my perspective, I'm I'm secretly asking a question, going, you know, is this something that you know I could do for my own company? And it's something we've done and we've had good success with. So I think it really depends on. The situation where in my case i'm you know the the ceo and the outgoing personality of my own company so i'm more than happy to do anything that's media friendly but i think there's a lot of people that they're looking to be you know they're basically just trying to have it so it's like a faceless uh, affiliate site and you know um great if it works but i i think you're kind of right that unless you're doing it in a natural organic or a media friendly point of view then maybe it's just kind of spinning your wheels yeah, I don't think the more of a brand your site has, the easier it is. Like if you are doing link building for a fairly big super affiliate that everyone's heard of that advertises on TV and stuff, you're gonna you're gonna get a lot more replies than if you're like you know, Bill's cheap toilet seats dot org or something. You know, I don't know how many reporters are gonna link to you even if you give them the best quote possible. So yeah, you got to be really good at marketing to to make that work. Yeah, I don't think even we would be able to get that one on the on the no. BBC News. <laughs> I wouldn't take that on as a client. Uh, so in the whole topic of link building, um, you know, I've been kind of like having my ear to the ground from in a lot of link building communities. And it seems like outreach is extremely important. So I wanted to have hear your take on um, how valuable of a skill you think it is not only to do your job, but um, like maybe for other people to do this in marketing. Yeah, I mean, the first tip I'd, I'd give everyone is to stop reading what SEO people are doing to pitch things. Um, the PR industry has existed way longer than the SEO industry and the SEO industry is very diverse. So you've got someone who's, you know, they're not a natural writer. They're not, they're not a natural salesperson. They're not a natural talker. 
but they're you're going to read their guide on how to do pitching and outreach and expect it to work more than in a cursory way you know it's all these same templates regurgitated and lightly amended across hundreds of seo blogs and they're often not very good they don't use language the right way they don't consider the psychology that you that a, a journalist pitching would would expect to receive um you know the story has to kind of target the heartstrings a little bit it has to show that someone might be interested in it it has to do all these things and you won't there's a few people in SEO maybe that write okay about it, but most of them are just, oh, here's this technique that works. I mean, I know Backlinko, Brian Dean sold his site now for, and it was very, very successful. But if you look at the templates he was kind of sharing for like the skyscraper technique or that kind of stuff, the real magic was the technique rather than, hey, you can just take any piece of content and get out and pitch it, which is what a PR person is faced with on an, on an endless basis. They're like, yeah, so this new nuclear power plant is going to pollute the local area, but you know, you need to just try and get some stories about the good things like the jobs and stuff off you go. You know, they're used to thinking about how you would write a pitch in that situation. And, you know, they're going to, in SEO, you're going to see people trying to just not mention the bad things, whereas they'll cover it off in their pitch. You know, you'll learn a lot more studying PR pitches than you will uh, and you'll have to tone it down a bit because if you write a full PR pitch to every website you, you pitch, you're not going to get enough links in for your time. But you have to think about how you can scale it, how you can group things together to be more efficient. But it's from a learning perspective, if I didn't know what I was doing, which is what I, I mean, it's what I did effectively was when I didn't know what I was doing. I read all the SEO blogs on it and realized I wasn't learning anything new and that some of the stuff, the language they were using, just from my experience, I mean, I used to work at a bank and I was uh, on the management program there. So they were sending me in all these sales training courses so I could train the, the news, which seemed kind of crazy. You know, I was training like 40 year olds when I was 24 and how to be better at sales because they were, they were rubbish and I was good. So um, it was kind of weird to be that young doing that kind of thing. But just from what I'd learned there about the psychology, how to not manipulate people. Well, I guess in sales, you probably are, but how to just change the perception of what you're sending in to what you want it to be. I was realizing these SEO pitches were just like too transactional, like, Hey, are you linked to this thing? I've made a better thing. Can you link to it? I'll write an intro. It's like, yeah, it's going to work. Of course it's going to work. You're going to get some responses, but you're going to put a lot of time into making something the better thing in the first place. And then you're going to get the same results as if you'd pitch something rubbish really well. So you're losing both ways. You could have just made something rubbish and pitched it better, or you could have got better results out of your amazing thing. You're, you're kind of wasting the time building the amazing thing. If you then just pitch it with, Hey, can you do this, please? It's not really going to get anyone to anyone who's on the fence to change their mind. So yeah, study PR, look at what people that have been pitching for 200 years are doing and how, don't copy it too much though, because you'll write too long emails. Just try and learn the psychology and the techniques and try and adapt that to our more fast paced way of working. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. Like, you know, I've talked to some SEO link builders and they basically showed me some of their systems and they basically said exactly what you're saying. It's kind of like, think about it it's easy to say it, but it's really hard to do it for someone that's not done before. It's like, get in the mindset of the person receiving that message. Like this is a journalist. They're looking to put together an article and you got to be very mindful of their time and make their life easier such that they don't have to jump through hoops to um, get to what they want, which is like, you know, a really fast answer. Exactly. Yeah. And they'll do, if you can make the story sound interesting, they'll do crazy things. Like they'll drive out to some 
shop in the middle of nowhere around their town to see some new cutlery line that's turned up. And that's a true story. Someone actually, a journalist for the Philadelphia um, Daily News actually did that. So um, the pitch just took his fancy and he wanted to see what the fuss was about. So he went out to interview the shop owner and wrote a full page piece on it somehow. I, I have no idea how that, he must have been having a really bad week or something. <laughs> Anything for content. But, you know, it just shows what you can do if you uh, tell the story right. Whereas if you just wrote to him saying, hey, can you check out these new forks? I mean, that's what SEOs do. They're like, hey, new forks, link. Yeah. And, you know, no one's, no one except the laziest people are covering that. And the other thing as well is you get a lot more replies back from people that wouldn't be inclined to charge you with, yes, if you, yeah, sounds good, $200, please. You know, it's, uh, yeah, you can go ahead and pay it, but you didn't need to if you'd sent them yeah. a proper pitch, you know. True. And sometimes, you know, and, and then the proper sites that you would have got a free link from, they'll often want to charge $500, $1,000 if they sniff you out too much early on. And you would have had that link for free. Um, now, I know some big enterprise clients, their budget's no question. They're just like, yeah, no, no, we're not sending someone out for an interview. Give them the $1,000. But if you're running a small affiliate site, I would say, Getting a thousand dollar links for free is going to be a significant contribution to your long term margin being better. You know, if you do that six times a year and you're making a hundred a year, that puts you to 106. That's a nice. How many hours every week does your team spend checking all of your stats? You know, clicks, signups, FTDs, CPAs earned, revenue, and commissions? Are you storing this data manually on spreadsheets? Surely there has to be a better way. That's exactly what StatsDrone is for. Save hours and focus on work that makes you more money and use the app to optimize your campaigns so you know where to send more traffic to. Oh, and other features? Discover nearly 900 iGaming affiliate programs, get account balances, save notes on all your deals, stay on top of trends of your own data. Oh, and you can also store the data on your own server and super fast onboarding. Visit www.statstrong.com and give the app a try for free. Nice gain on top of whatever else you're doing. Definitely. Um, the next question I got is a kind of like a tough one, but it's kind of something that I kind of believe where you see a lot of affiliates that they get started and you know they're kind of like, they, they expect like fast returns with minimal effort. But I've seen a lot of people that have done things like link building as a specialized niche and the skills they build from that. First, they're able to generate revenue sooner than later. And then those skills are, are totally valuable for basically going, hey, you want to start an affiliate site? You now have an advantage of people that are just starting affiliate sites from scratch. So would you advocate for people to try to learn some of these other skills that maybe aren't directly helping them with their affiliate sites, but maybe could actually get them some you know, revenue, like you know, whether it's SEO consulting, link building, stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, it's going to be more useful as the quality of links is going to have to be higher if Google is going to continue these updates. Um, it's It was kind of easy for a while for people to say, oh, I'm not going to bother doing that because, look, I got from zero to 15,000 in nine months just buying these cheap $60 link inserts. And then suddenly all their money's gone now at month 10 because Google's changed the rules. Um, it's going to be harder to do that. And the harder it gets to just buy cheap things and make money, the more you should probably learn to at least do some of it yourself. You know, yeah, you might not have time. Say you, you can manage to fit in as well as all your writing, managing all the affiliate contracts, dealing with all the 
affiliate managers dealing with all the other issues that come up, you know, with your site speed, maybe you're running pay-per-click ads as well. I hope you are in most sectors anyways, a lot of money still to be made in that. I know, um, I know Garrett spends a lot of money on advertising. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot for you to do. So I don't think you can realistically become an expert PR person, endlessly pitch and successfully run all of the rest of your business. But if you can pick up, um, you know, six or seven really good links and then outsource getting, you know, 10 to 15 solid but decent links from an agency, you're putting yourself in a so much more of a powerful position than if you just bought the 15 links and didn't do anything yourself. So even if you can just learn enough that you can really get some, you know, because no link agency is going to spend 20 hours getting one link from a DA90 site for you, but you might well decide that that's a good use of your time and that's going to be a really powerful link for you. Um, and the reason they won't do it is because you're not prepared to pay four grand for it. So there's no way we can spend the time. Um, but you can definitely do that yourself. You know, if you, you can reply to the guy on a Sunday evening when you're having a, having a cup of coffee or whatever, and that's a couple of hours where you're just laptop, watching the telly, replying to him. You know, it's not really costing you any efficiency in your business, but you can keep those leads moving and snap that interview up when the opportunity lands. I mean, I'm sure some of the ones you've done, you've you've been talking to the person for like ages and then suddenly they're like, oh yeah, let's do something. Oh, I want to write about this. And then you're there ready to jump in. So um, you can do a lot of that kind of stuff, which is hard for an agency to do on your behalf, keeping little contacts warm. Um, you know, like there's trade bodies that publish, you know, on really high authority sites. If, you're, if your site's in one of those niches, yeah, you can't just phone the guy up or girl up and say, I want a link from you guys, or I want to contribute, or I want to do this. But if you keep talking to them about everything they publish and having little random chats with them, um, I mean, I phoned a guy up once for a client and he ended up chatting to me for two hours, uh, which was a bit of a mistake. But uh, yeah. it meant that whenever I had a client in his space, I could just phone him up again. And it was just within the next two months, there'd be a piece on them with a link. Yeah. So you can do all that kind of thing for yourself much easier than any agency can do it for you because the last thing they want to do is you know on a monthly retainer is build like you know these six month long lead outs when you're saying where are my links this month but you should do that for yourself definitely so i would focus on the really high-end stuff that's going to be difficult for you to buy and outsource that's where i would specialize if i was running a business and i needed to do some link building i'd try and really focus on just doing stuff that's really really hard where you can get really high value results yeah, I mean, it goes without saying, I mean, that's a pure relationship building right there. And I think uh, with the work you do on your side of link building, uh, I'm sure I'm sure that's the kind of approach that you take when it's like you <clears> said <throat> earlier about like not pitching people where you're so business focused that you're like, OK, it's better than nothing. But, you know, if you're able to find a way to build a relationship, it's like that case where you had that two hour call. It's like, OK, maybe it's a waste of your two hours, but look what it's got you in the future. Oh, yeah, it ended up being, you know. 45 minutes a link when you divided it up with the next few links I got from them. So, I mean, they say if you get under four hours a link, you're doing quite well. Um, I don't know the actual number for our company at the minute. I used to, uh, I used to know it exactly, but it was uh, a competitor worked it out exactly. And I, I did the same and we came in at like three hours and 52 minutes at the time. And I was like, ah, she's about right then. So <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I'm guessing it's probably similar. I mean, we've made some improvements since then on automation. You know, I wrote, um, you know, our company runs on a CRM system that I coded from scratch in Django, and I'm working on a new version now because obviously after seven years, it needs needs some modernization. But 
Um, you know, we've made some efficiency gains since then, but I don't think we're doing like 45 minute links very often. So that's pretty cool. Hey, you're giving me on the natural uh, side. Obviously, paid links are quicker. Yeah, no, you just but, argue, no, it's really you interesting that you mentioned the time is about price. Yeah, it's just kind of giving me notes that uh, I know I'm gonna go back and listen to this and kind of go, okay, these are a lot of great tips uh, for me personally, but uh, I'm sure a lot of affiliates could kind of take these and and definitely run with them. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'll say to people is there's a lot of fake natural links out there at the minute. I mean, you can show them to someone who knows what they're, if you don't know what you're doing yourself and you buy a batch of 10 links for someone, show them to someone really experienced in the in the link building or SEO space and say, how many of these are paid links? Um, I've seen reports that were 100%. I've seen reports that were 70%. I've seen reports where not only were they 100% paid links, but they were 100% links that were on Garrett's block list. So our team wouldn't even be allowed to use them. And they're being sold as outreach links and natural links and stuff. And the big warning flag is if any of these things are possible, the, the agency is probably not selling you natural links. If you can choose your anchor text, if big batches of links will be done in a set period of time, like four weeks. Um, and the reason for those two is you're dealing with a real webmaster that you're not paying if you're doing what you're saying you're doing. They often won't reply to the pitch for two weeks. So, I mean, what chance have you got of getting a whole a, a 50 link order done in four weeks when literally 60% of the webmasters won't have replied to the first pitch and chase going in two and a half weeks into the campaign. Only 40% will have replied at that point. And you're then going to have a back and forth of at least five or six emails with these people at a similar pace. You know, it's, it's it, 50 links might take 10, 12 weeks if it was a real natural campaign. And they're not going to agree to put whatever anchor you want in there. You, can't, you can sometimes manip you can manipulate the anchor and you can the better rapport you have the more likely you are to get your request but you're definitely not going to be able to take someone's spreadsheet with best lawyer for herpes in indiana and have them insert that into a sentence so if someone can take an order like that off you they're just selling you paid links and and, and they're ripping you off True. Um, i mean worse sometimes they're selling you hack links if you get a load of inserts back that are on <laughs> sites that you know we'd never have taken $30 to put that link on their site. You know, like some real law firm on a seven-year-old post that has eight other dodgy links on it. Yeah. They didn't agree, they didn't agree to that. That that wasn't put there legitimately. So yeah. you have to be really careful in this industry. And if people are promising things that are just ridiculous, it's easy to think because so many people are promising them that that must just be how it's done. And then you try three or four link vendors out and you get similarly cruddy links from all of them. You think, well, this is just the standard that $200 gets me or whatever. Yeah. Just be careful because lots of people moved from the PBN world to link building when PBN stopped working as well. Um, I say that with a PBNs obviously still do work really well, but the kind of people that were making those rubbish ones and selling the links on them, uh, they, those don't work so well. Lots of people have private PBNs that they prop their affiliate sites up with and make a fortune, but they're not selling you links on them for $20, put it that way. They're keeping them very private and not mentioning them to anyone. True. Um, so when those kind of public mass PBNs stop working, lots of those people just set up link building agencies, grabbed the first lists of paid links that they could find, the idiots were stupid enough to send them, added them to their database, and then they just sell you those links for whatever markup they feel like. And they, they don't have any way of growing their list unless someone, you know, someone in India sends them another list because those guys just send lists out nonstop. They collect lists from people that send them and they just sell those to you. They've got no way of adding new good sites to their list. They're not doing any natural outreach. They don't really have a big team. They just outsource the writing. And but they're making a fortune. You know, in, in a way, I'm I'm jealous because they're taking links that on penalized sites for $50 and they're finding people dumb enough to buy them for $250. Yeah. 
True. Whereas, you know, even on our paid link side, you know, we're lucky if we end up with 20% margin because the ones that Garrett leaves, you know, there's no one charging, you know, $30 or whatever. It's, you know, everyone's wanting decent amounts of money because they're, they're fairly good sites. So, um, but I guess, you know, they've got to keep churning clients and finding more people to buy them, I guess. It must be quite stressful running a business that way. But I guess for that kind of margin, though, what's $200 on 50? It's quite a bit. Yeah, that's not bad. So yeah, that's how I'd recommend you get into link building. Just be really better than me at finding really dumb people and get a list off of some uh, chap in India on LinkedIn and sell those $50 links to uh, crazy people for $250. And yeah, it's seems definitely, to be a it's, definitely it's, its own economy right now, without a doubt. Yeah, but if you're an affiliate, don't buy those kind of links and don't let people trick you into thinking that they can... I mean, definitely, if you're paying $250 a link and it's some awful paid link, you know, ask for your money back, ask for a better link. A lot of the times you will actually get a good one. If you moan enough at these people, they're just trying to make the maximum profit out of the dumbest people, but they don't want crap loads of complaints on all the forums they sell on. So don't be afraid to just ask for a replacement. Uh, You know, and even even us, you know, if we've got a ridiculously fussy client, um, you know, we'll replace the links for them, even if they're wrong. I mean, we might not work with them again, but, we don't want, we've got no complaints about us anywhere on the internet, which is a very hard thing to keep up. And, uh, you know, for the sake of one link with some really grumpy chap, it's it's not worth the bother. So you'll find the same even with the spammy providers. For them, their reputation's even more under pressure because their customer turnover is so high. So it's worth moaning if you get something really bad back from a from an agency that you paid a lot of money for. True. Um, the last question I have is like, I think most people understand that when you go to buy links, it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're usually buying packages. I mean, that's how a lot of these SEOs sell them. So how do you, how do you sell links to your clients? Like, are you saying it, this is a set price and you get this many links or is it based on like, and I've seen, I've worked with a couple of different link uh, builders and in some cases they basically say we can kind of get to like a minimum and sometimes you might get more. So how does it work uh, with the, with your agency? On the natural side, that'll always be the case because you have to do more work than the target number of links because occasionally, you know, we know like in, you know, just some random niche, um, the success rate per success, because you obviously you have successful pitches where they've said yes, and then only a certain percentage of them actually go live. And you know what that percentage is for every niche, because obviously we've been doing it for over a decade now. Um, since 2016 or 17 or whatever it was as Reach Creator formally, but before that as um, a band of merry freelancers um, who work together as a sort of company with a brand. Um, you know, we've been doing that over a decade. We've got, de- you know, so much data now on the database about that kind of thing. So we can predict, right, as soon as we hit, we've got 10 links to get, as soon as we hit 17 successful pitches, yes, it's some webmasters, that'll be enough. So we'll really target 19 because, you know, you don't want to have to start again one short at the end of the campaign because that you're four weeks out from getting that one link if you start again, at least. So you want to make sure you you can actually build a client again at some sensible time, not your one short. So you, you, you always end up having to do extra work on natural. So all the natural clients, we give them a minimum, but, you know, between 10 and 20% extras typical and especially if they keep renewing because the pipeline just keeps getting bigger and bigger and then the chance of extras becomes higher and higher as time goes on 
True. Um, on the on the paid link side, obviously, is two ways of ordering them. Um, you either let us pick, and then there's a set price based on the spec of link you want, and you'll you'll make up whatever crazy spec you want. You know, people will say, "I want ten thousand traffic on SEM Rush. I want no links to this type of site. I want this region. I want this DA. I want this DR." And we just feed it all into our model, and it works out the difficulty, and then we just give you a price based on that. Some people obviously just pick from our standard packages, which is fine. Um, or you can do it where you, you want us to curate a list for you, and then you pick which ones you want off the list. Um, now, because we're doing so much fresh picking and fresh negotiation per client, we're not one of the ones where we have like this list and everyone just looks at it and picks off the same list. You're going to get, like if you order 10, we're going to send you over batches of five until you've picked enough that you like. Um, and because we do charge up front for all of our campaigns, we charge a, we just charge a smaller deposit. Like even if you wanted 4,000s worth of links, if you're going to be picking them yourself, we just take a thousand dollar deposit to get that first list done. And then you just pay us, you make your picks. Um, cause what we found was when we, cause we'd never had any experience with not charging anything up front. Um, cause everyone pays up front for natural outreach. Cause obviously we're going to do all the work in that first two weeks and the links are going to come in in months time. We, you know, we need to obviously. And that's just how the link industry works. Everyone builds up front. But for the the pick things off a list thing, we started sending people things out. And it was just a complete mess, you know, like we just mm-hmm. loads of time wasters, people that just wanted it just wasn't worth because we were having we were like looking at their link, we were writing to webmasters that, you know, maybe they'd worked with some site before for four hundred, but it was some big brand. We we're like, Oh, we've got this little site now, they can't pay you four hundred. What can we do? You know. <laughs> You know, so we were doing all of that work to put these lists together and then people were just, so we do just charge the deposit, um, but it is fully usable up against your picks. So if you pick three links at 333 each, that's it used up. You know, it doesn't, it's not a deposit that we keep for starting the campaign. It's just to make sure it's the same as our natural campaigns that it's actually worth us starting work and getting on with it. Um, Because we're busy enough without doing extra work for free than someone not ordering anything or... Um, and you find as well, people are, um, you know, if you send someone a free list of three, they're like, they'll pick one and say, oh, send me some more. Because, you know, they can, they haven't paid anything. They can just bother you as much as they want to get, like, <laughs> if if they've paid some money and they're actually getting started, they want to get some links in. So they might pick, you know, three out of five just to get them done and then send you some more money for some more. So it just wasn't a very efficient way of working. I know um, some people have these massive lists. You can go and peruse and pick whatever you want, but what you'll find is that those links are going to be less and less effective as we move into this new era with Google ignoring more and more links. Like you think someone at Google can't email from their personal email address, get access to that list and see what's on there. It's just a matter of time till most of those sites are getting ignored more and more. And we've seen, we've seen that with this update, people have lost 50, 60, 70%, you know, across all these forums full of affiliates that have been going at it, making a fortune last year suddenly there's all these people talking about all the money they've lost there. You know, people are sending me site graphs that look like this, you know, and it's like, well, I told you you should have bought more links than me instead of that cheap guy. But, you know, <laughs> it's not, I, I try and refrain from saying that because it's not very nice to do. I told you so when someone's just lost 90% of their revenue or something. So it's, it's kind of too late, but we went through that before when the, uh, the hacked links came back big time. Um, we, we used to be huge in the small affiliate space. Like we literally had, hundreds of small affiliates using us on just little link orders, five links a month, nonstop. And then those cheap hack links came back. Um, 
and all and a lot of these people they weren't around when the original niche edits on black hat world appeared do you not think it's kind of funny now how niche edits has become a mainstream term like you see legitimate mainstream seo agencies using phrases like niche edits on linkedin it's like do you not remember what it used to mean it literally meant hack links <laughs> back in the day but it's yeah. been they've taken it back i guess but these ones were the hack links you know this was the return of that that group that did them on black hat world originally and they sold on every internet marketing forum you know they were 30 dollars a pop but they were just you know it was all on like law firm websites hack, like eight links or hacks it was brutal but these guys we lost so many of our clients to them trying them out then, of course, when they all got penalized, it's not like they could come back because they didn't have any money anymore. So it's like <laughs> the I told you so doesn't work if it's too late. So you got to be really careful if things seem too good to be true, especially uh, dodgy $30 hack links. It's uh, probably not where yeah. you should be spending your money unless you're looking to just make a quick buck. Like if you're in the payday loan space or something or there's, you know, some event that you just need to rank for really quickly, you can buy whatever rubbish you want because the site's dead afterwards anyway. But if you're trying to build an affiliate business, you, you're not going to sell within 12 months and you want it to be part of your portfolio for, say, five years or more, you can't be mixing in all that kind of stuff because five years is a long time. Google will definitely do something during that five years that, that screws you over and you'll you'll wish you'd sold the site. Yeah, either sold And, I, and I've done that before when I was taking shortcuts. I held on to the, the poker business way too long and it became worthless. I could have sold it for a lot of money. So, you know, but I knew I was taking shortcuts. I wasn't accidentally, you know, I wasn't tricked by anyone into buying these things I was buying. I was deliberately buying really dodgy links to, yeah. um, to make short-term money. But I, you know, I should have sold the site knowing that, you know, it was naive to think that Google wouldn't figure it out eventually. Yeah. I mean, and that's the same with all these things. In a perfect world, you'd really have to have these people buying these hacked links or, you know, these low quality links and, being smart enough to save like, you know, at least 50% of their profits. So they've got like money in the bank, but you know, we know a lot of these webmasters are basically going month by month, like, you know, they're enjoying their money. And then when these uh, penalties happen, they're kind of like, they've, they've got no money to recover. I think that's actually a really important point. If we're going to get back into this era of, of Google aggressive updates, if you orphan a site, when the money stops coming in, will almost certainly go into a death spiral. And we saw that um, during the Mac Cuts era with Penguin and Panda. One of our clients worked in the drug treatment space um, and he was venture-backed. So the revenue from the site was completely irrelevant to whether he... And he would take 90% traffic drops on some of the sites in the portfolio during the Penguin updates. And all of his competitors would stop their link building. And he just continued. 110 links a month, every single month. Um, it wasn't just with us. There was there was three agencies we shared the work because um, he wanted to just have different types of links. He wanted some like PR type stuff that he could spam Reddit with, and he wanted us to grind like the all the towns, you know, like drug treatment Huntsville, drug, you know. Um, and everyone who stopped, and we were able to see it clearly. Like there were some competitors that continued with him, and they all ended up being the big ones in the space in the long run. Everyone who stopped their sites just went into a death spiral. And some of them went back building way more links, hiring real doctors. They tried to do all the things that Google said would fix it. Nothing fixed their sites. The wow. only thing that continuing is important. Now, that doesn't mean you have to bankrupt yourself spending money with reach creator if you get penalized massively. But if you haven't got money put aside and time put aside to continue at least 
you know, in second gear, what your site was doing when it before the penalty or before the update, because they're not really penalties, they're just adjustments that adversely affect low quality work. I think they would, it's not like in the Mac Cuts era where they, you know, manually devalued huge chunks of industry. This is genuinely an algorithmic thing. You're, you're not going to get that back unless they change the algorithm back. There's no wait six months and Matt will let you out the sandbox again if you submit a reconsideration request. There's, you know, if they adjust, it, I, mean, I think they will have to adjust it because I think the search results are objectively worse since this latest update. But whether they agree or not, we'll find out, I guess, in March when they next refresh, I guess. But um, continuing is really important. If you just stop, and I think part of that was, I think there's so much machine learning at Google, and I'm just speculating, but what's a great way to see who was spamming and doing low quality work and isn't a real business? It's the people that stop when they, like, do you think Royal Bank of Scotland would stop their internet marketing if they lost search traffic? Do you think, well, maybe they're a bad example because they're a terrible, well, allegedly they weren't a great business. Um, but like, you know, would Chase, you know, there's a recession coming. If Chase stopped credit card ads on TV, you know, real businesses continue through hard times. They make cuts, sure. So you don't have to continue at 100% of your spend through every penalty, but if you just stop that, I think that's a sign to Google that your site should be considered less valuable than the ones mm. that continue because people with real businesses tend to continue. So I think that's a that's definitely a factor that's considered when deciding whether your site can recover. Um, and if you leave a site and orphan it, you, you're often better starting from scratch than trying to revive it. Whereas if you at least continue, sometimes you'll just have it pop right back. If not right back, you'll at least get the benefit of the work you've done and it'll actually be growable again. And if you've already optimized your conversions, your revenue, you've got a mailing list, you've done all your other affiliate stuff right for that brand, having that pop back is so much easier than starting again. Um, but a lot, which I'm seeing this time because a lot of people weren't around in the Matt Cuts era, a lot of people just noobishly stopping. Oh, I've lost 50% of my traffic. I'm just cutting all my costs. I'm not doing anything now. I'll wait and see if it comes back. I guarantee you every single one of those people that emailed me to say that will have a dead site in six months. The people that at least did something maybe will have stopped at the 50% that they lost and been able to start creeping back up. Yeah. As much as it's kind of like, you know, a bit of a fear thing where it's like, don't stop doing that work. Um, you know, from this uh, chat we've had, uh, you've given me a lot of inspiration of the things that I feel we're doing a decent job at you know, for our, for our own company, but things that I know we could definitely do a better job. So uh, I think that's a great way to kind of end this, which is like, don't stop. And, you know, even if you've got, uh, you know, uncertain times with your traffic, it's, um, I think you're spot on that Google is going to know who are the people that create content. It's no different than the YouTube, YouTube algorithm where people that stop making content for a month that have made content for years. I mean, what's going to happen? We already know, we already know the answer that drops off. So you stop with your content, you stop with your link building. It's kind of like, you know, you're you're basically raising your hand to Google saying, hey, I've really given up and um, you're you're going to get your answers one way or another. Definitely. I mean, obviously, if you lost 100%, you might want to stop. It might be a bit optimistic. <laughs> to, but if you just lost 40% or something, if you stop completely at that point, it's going to go down more. You've got a chance to come back from, you know, you should still be profitable with 60% of the traffic you had a month ago. You should okay. be able to find a way to continue growing that site um, if it was ever worth investing in in the first place, I guess. And, you know, people that stop uh, definitely have a lot more uh, pain in this industry than people that kind of keep going and stay focused. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, uh, Steve, thank you so much for being on. I've uh, I've definitely learned a couple more things, uh, and it's given me a bit more inspiration of things that I'm excited to work on my side. And hopefully for some affiliates uh, listening to this, they can kind of understand what they should be doing. So pun intended, where can uh, uh, people reach you? Um, it's uh, steve at reachcreator.com. Um, so just uh, anyone who's got any questions can just drop me an email. I'm at SD Brownlee on Twitter. I'm not on there very much um, these days. It's gone a bit crazy on there, but I, I do try and hop in now and then. So if you tweet me, I probably will see it. And I'm on LinkedIn. Um, just Steve, Steve Brownlee. You'll be able to find me, Reach Creator, on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me on, John. It's been fun. I'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye.